you look good. <laughs> and, uh, and the only reason that I'm looking anywhere close to good is because of this woman that's traveling with me, Peggy. And, uh, and so, Peggy, come up here and say hello to these folks. Um, we can do it right down here. We don't need to go up there. But uh, I just want her to greet you and say hello and uh, you know, just bless you here today. Good morning, everyone. It's so great to be here. And, uh, you know, he mentioned that Randy worked at the state office, but that started last year because for 37 and a half years, we pastored one church. And that was in Pinellas County in the Clearwater Largo area. So it was a big decision to take the position at the state office and leave our congregation, who we've loved for a long time, right, Randy? But you know, God is moving there and blessing there, and we're very thankful for what he's doing uh, in there, in the church and in our lives. I'm thankful for the church. I grew up in the church. For me, the church was a place to go, be fed by the word, worship the Lord, gather together with saints who loved one another and who encouraged each other. But then, what it was really about is for us to be equipped so that when we go out there, we are the light of Jesus to the world. So I just want to share something that happened to us. We had walked into, as you can imagine, we have to get his clothes at the Big and Tallman shop. And so we had walked into one evening into a Big and Tallman shop, and there nobody else was in the building except the gentleman who um, was helping us. And the entire time we were in there, we felt like this was a miracle. Nobody else walked into the store. Well, it wasn't too long he found out Randy was a pastor. We were looking for a suit coat for him. Not this one necessarily, but we were looking for a, a suit for him. And so um, we said to the guy, well, yeah, he's a pastor. And he said, oh, I've been a pastor before. And we were like, where? What? You know? And he was a worship pastor. And he had walked through some things in his life, and he had not walked away from the Lord. He still loved the Lord, but he had walked away from the fellowship of the body of Christ. And so we stood there and ministered to that guy for an hour. Randy, we even got to pray with him, didn't we, babe? And, as we, and we told him, we said, listen, the church is God's way. It's, it's not your design or your plan. The church is God's plan. And you need to be part of the body of Christ. And, and don't sit on, he was a worship, worship pastor again. And so I said, don't sit on those gifts. The church needs you. And so you, you take yourself back to church and submit yourself and get a part of this thing. And go, you know, go with the church all the way to heaven. And so we prayed with him, and as we walked out, I looked back at him, and I said, well, we didn't get a suit, did we? And he said, ma'am, you didn't come in here for a suit. You came in here for me. You came in here for me. And so I want to encourage us. You know, if Jesus could take 12 people, pastor, and turn the world upside down, what could he do? with this congregation right here, if we came in here and said, this is our mission to grow together 
and to be a witness to the world out here so desperately needs what we have jesus so god bless you all i pray that this is a this 15 year is just a beginning of something brand new that god shakes up and does a great work through your church god bless you Praise the Lord. Pastor, it is so good to be with you, and I am not your boss. I want you to know right now. And we may both have a boss, you know, our state overseer, but nevertheless, I'm not your boss. Um, you know, having pastored for so long, people say, what do you, what, what should we call you? You know, and I said, all of my life I've been pastoring. And some of you are thinking, 37 and a half years of pastoring, I know I don't even hardly look 40, 45. So... Just consider it the grace of God, all right? <clears throat> and uh, actually, we were 24 years old when we went to pastor in Clearwater. And I didn't tell anybody how old I was. And because of my height, I think it helped me look maybe a little bit older, I guess. And uh, But we were 24, and we were able to stay there until, like Peggy said last year. And the only place we ever pastored. We started with a group of about 20 people or so, and just God began to bless and prosper the ministry, and God grew a wonderful church in Pinellas County, and uh, and so we, we love God's people. I miss this, you know, being with God's people, and uh, and I took a picture of Sister Rose here a few minutes ago with Peggy and I. Come on in, Sister Rose. I'm talking about you. Anyway, I took a picture of her, and I said, I'm sending this back to Sister Rose in our church in, in Largo, and uh, because she's from the Philippines also. And, uh, and she would always, on special days like this, always have the priest portion of her spring rolls. <laughs> By the priest portion, she would wrap up something special for me to take home after every, because they got scarfed up really quick, all right? And uh, I'm not asking for that today, all right? I, I know I'm just a guest. <clears throat> but if I was with Miss Sister Rose Winkler, that's her name, her last name, and if I was with her today, I guarantee you she'd have me a little plate she'd slip up beside and those two. And uh, but uh, I'm excited about lunch. I miss it. Is it lunchtime yet? I promise not to preach so long that you get too hungry, all right? Everybody say amen. amen. Come on, some of you didn't say amen. I said everybody say amen. Even the children saying amen today. You know, I thought about Psalm 104. Well, I was talking to the pastor, and uh, and I was thinking about thinking about this occasion. He shared with me just a thought from Psalm 104. It says, "He established the earth upon its foundations, so that it will not totter forever and ever." I thought to myself, you know what? If God, praise the Lord, if God would set the earth on its foundation so the wooden potter it made me think about my granddaughter Aoife now Aoife is three years old all right and Aoife is the love of my life sorry Peggy she is the love of my life she's three she's three and a half and she is the most precious thing well here you guys are used to storms down here in southeast Florida well for some reason, over 38 and a half years of living in Pinellas County, we've never had a direct hit. Thank you, Jesus. Find some wood to knock on. And uh, we've never had a direct hit from a hurricane. But, of course, here a couple weeks ago, right before Labor Day or whatever, we were 
we had a storm coming up along the west coast of Florida, and we're thinking, God, protect us, keep us. We're praying for all those people that it was in their path. And and so Tuesday, well, we were flying out to see my son and daughter-in-law and two grandchildren, three and a half and one and a half, out in Texas. And while we're there, <clears throat> or pardon me, as we're thinking about going, we're flying out Wednesday morning. Well, the airport gets shut down. The flight gets canceled because of the storm. They're not flying out anything. They're hoping that they get the airport open by Thursday morning. Well, Tuesday night before Wednesday, the storm hits, my son takes my three and a half year old daughter to bed and she prays for us. Now I want you to, everybody say my name, Randy. Randy. Well, add a G to it and say, tell me what it says, all right? No, add a G to my name and tell me what it says. G plus Randy is Randy. That's my granddad name. It's Granddad. I have the best granddad name in the world. All right, Granny is my grand is my granddad name, and Peggy is Gigi. That fits her as well. So Grandy and Gigi. I just wanted you to hear that before you listen to this. So this is her prayer, and listen to it carefully. Jesus, can you please go to Jesus, Granny and Jesus' house and help them so the storm will come away gone and make sure Granny and Gigi will pass away and make sure they come from and safe to our house. And thanks, Lord. I want you to be here and Make sure you want to be in awe. Tell me what's all the food we need, and I want you to be the greatest big storm I ever saw and thank for. Thank you so much. Yeah, I got to tell you, sorry about that. I got to tell you, if God wouldn't hear that prayer, then none of us have a chance to have a prayer. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, love, I love this. You know, you, you say, why are you playing that from after you read Psalm 104, verse 5? God, keep the earth, set it on its foundation so that it wouldn't totter forever. And I, and I just think to myself, as she's praying that prayer, God, would you be the biggest, greatest storm ever? She's praying against a storm out in the Gulf of Mexico, and she's saying this, I think in her head, in her three-and-a-half-year-old head. God, would you be a bigger storm than the storm out of the Gulf? Would you just be the biggest, greatest storm ever? Take care of Grand Grandy and Gigi. Don't let them pass away. She prayed that we wouldn't die. And I think she was actually praying that we'd get on the plane and travel over there. But anyway, she's praying, God, take care of them. Take care of them. Aren't you glad that you serve a God that set the earth on its foundation? And he set your life on its foundation. When I think about the foundation of God, I think also of Matthew 16 and 18, when Jesus says this, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's what Jesus says. I think Peter kind of has this in mind, and and he's thinking through that when he writes in 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 6, that we have come to him as, as to a living stone, 
and that you also, in other words, Jesus is the living stone. He refers to him as the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. He says, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices. And then Paul picks up the theme in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 19 through 22 when he says this, you are no longer strangers, but fellow citizens. Fellow citizens. Have I got any citizens here today? Three citizens here today. I'm not talking about the United States of America. Don't worry, I'm not from the immigration department, all right? I'm talking about citizens of the kingdom of God, all right? Have I got any citizens here today? That we are fellow citizens. As a matter of fact, some of you didn't realize this, but I'm actually related to you. Some of you didn't know that. I'm actually related to you because we're all cousins. Think about it for just a second. I know we're brothers and sisters in Christ, but we're all cousins. According to Adam and, and, and then Noah, you know, you're either from Shem, Ham, or Japheth's line. And uh, you, am I right? You're all descendants of Shem, Ham, or Japheth. I hope we've got people that believe in the Bible here today. Is it, did I come to the right place? Or am I at the Kiwanis Club? Or where am I at? All right. <laughs> You know, you either come from the line of Shem, Ham, or Jacob. That's the only two, three lines you come from. Don't tell me you're from a different race. And I want you to know, we're all cousins. All right? I, you better claim me at lunchtime. All right? I'm your cousin. I'm your cousin. That's all I am. Some of you think you have this kind of height in your family. I want you to know I am your cousin today. And, uh, and so we are no longer strangers and aliens. No longer strangers and aliens, but we are fellow citizens, not only because of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, but because of Jesus. Hey, we got even closer than that. We're brothers and sisters, all right? That's who we are. And uh, and, and we're built, and, and we're being put together as saints of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and I'll say this as well, pastors and teachers, people that have paved the way, that have preached the word, that have declared the gospel of Jesus Christ, him being the chief cornerstone, and you and I are the family of God. Yes. Somebody say amen. Yes. You know, when I thought about fellow citizens, I thought about a passage of scripture in John chapter 12. If you have your Bible, you can turn there with me, and forgive me for not giving you some notes to put on the screen today, but if you want to follow along, that would be just absolutely perfect. John chapter 12, and beginning with verses 20 through 26, I kind of want to share some thoughts leading up to verses 20 through 26. In the 11th chapter, you know that's the story of Lazarus, where God raises Lazarus from the dead. What a great story. Well, that message, and that happened right before the Holy Week, Right before the cross that we've been singing about today, that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And then in John chapter 12, at the beginning of the chapter, verses 1 through 8, talk about how Mary comes in. Somebody talked about the oil as we we're worshiping today. Talked about the oil, pouring the oil on his feet. And Mary comes in and anoints his feet with oil and perfume and and, uh, and, and of course, there's always some stick in the mud in the crowd. I hope you're not the stick in the mud. 
we haven't got any sticks in the mud. Don't answer that question. All right. I hope not. And uh, but there's there was you know Lazarus in the in the crowd. Not Lazarus. There's there's Judas in, in the group, and he says, "Man, we could have sold this perfume for a great deal of money and given it to the poor." And Jesus stops and says, "Hey, listen, forget that. She's done this for my burial." She's anointed me for the burial that's coming up very soon. That's at the beginning of John. So Mary anoints his feet and, and, and worships him. And then the news of Lazarus in verses 9 through 11 is being spread about that news of him and the, the testimony of what took place in his life. That leads up to verses 12 through 16 where Jesus comes triumphantly into Jerusalem you're riding on a donkey in this great celebration as Jesus comes in to the holy city in verses 17 through 19. Look at that real quick. It says, so the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify about him. For this reason also the people went and met him because they heard that he had performed this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you're not doing any good. Look, the world has gone after him. So look, look back at verse 18. It says, the people went and met him. Can you imagine the greeting line for Jesus? Has anybody ever gone to a big event, you know, with you know, one, one big fancy preacher, you know, I mean, like a T.D. Jakes or something. Has anybody ever gone to a service where you have somebody like that preaching? I have. I have. Am I the only one who's ever gone and seen something like that? Yeah. And you know what? And you know what everybody wants to do? Everybody wants to shake his hand. I'm not important. You don't need to shake my hand today. But every, you know, if TD Jakes were here, I want you to know some of you guys would want to rub up next to him and say, man, I touched TD Jakes' hand. You know, well, I got to tell you, this is the Son of God. And, uh, and man, he's just ridden into Jerusalem. And people were lined up out the back door because they wanted to see Jesus. And the people were coming and wanted to meet with him. Can you imagine the apostles, the 12 apostles, working the crowd, you know, getting the line straight? You know, hey, hold on, hold on. Don't cut in line. This one's next. They're wanting to meet Jesus. And they keep coming to Jesus, and they're trying to figure out how they can get in to see Jesus. And the 12 apostles are, are setting everything up. And that leads up to my text. And that's in verse 20. Look at it with me if you would. Verse 20. Now there were some Greeks. Everybody say Greeks. Greeks. All right. They're not Jews. They're, they're, they're kind of out there on the edge somewhere. But nevertheless, they've come to worship at the feast. And there were some Greeks there that among those who were going up to the worship at the feast. And these then came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we want to see Jesus too. We want to see Jesus. We see all these Jews lined up. We see everybody else lined up. But the Greeks come to the door. And I bet you they had some good salad that they had packed along with them. There was some, you know, chicken shawarma, or there was there was something going on. You know, I mean, they brought an offering to, and man, it smelled good. We want to see Jesus too. That's what the Greeks come along saying. I made that up. I don't know if they brought any salad or chicken shawarma or whatever. All right, that was a joke. All right. 
But they say, we want to see Jesus. And then look, look at verse 22. Philip came and told Andrew. And Andrew and Philip, I, I can see Philip coming to say to Andrew, because here's the deal. I can see Philip saying, you know what, Andrew? I don't want to go by myself to tell Jesus, because he's been meeting people all day. I think he's probably a little tired. Does anybody ever get, does anybody ever get hangry? Does anybody ever get hangry? Am I the only one that ever gets hangry in this group? You know, you know that hangry when when you're hungry and you know and you, you get a little angry because you're hungry. You know, you little. Sh you, you know, Jesus is in the flesh here. All right, I mean, he's living in a human body. I, I just dare say that Jesus needed to sleep like you and I. He needed to eat like you and I. He's been meeting people all day long. He had a big parade earlier in the day. And people have been lined up because they want to see him. And, and Philip's saying, I don't want to go tell Jesus. And, and he comes to Andrew. And Andrew says, well, let's just go together. All right? Let's go tell him together. Maybe he'll respond to us. And so verse 22 it said, so Philip came and told Andrew, Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. He who hates his life in this world will, for, will keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. First of all, I say this. God, give us a church where some Greek people want to show up. Right? Give us a church where some outsiders want to come in, yes, all right? Yes, Don't let us be a country club where it's just us four and no more. Give us a church, God, where we're opening up the doors for others. And, and that's what happens. The Greeks come on in there. And, and then I love what Jesus does. He doesn't answer their question. They come to him, and they pass on the message, hey, Jesus, there's some Greeks out in the lobby that want to meet you and talk to you. They want to get together with you, and Jesus never answers their question. You know, I can imagine Philip and Andrew saying, hey, you know, we didn't come for an agricultural lesson. We just came to let you know that some people want to say hello, all right? We didn't need to hear about how you plant corn or weed or whatever. We just wanted to let you know that there's some folks out here that want to hear you, want to talk to you, want to see you. And uh, we just wanted you to know that. And then Jesus starts talking about being glorified. Look at that in verse 23. And Jesus answered them. They say, hey, there's some Greeks in the lobby who want to talk to you. And Jesus says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. You know, I'm, in, in other words... In other words, things are getting ready to blow up, guys. Yeah. You know, you think you've seen something so far, you, you can't imagine what you're getting ready to see. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And in their minds, 
Again, these 12, I imagine these two, especially right here, are thinking, man, that means he's getting ready to take the throne. He's getting ready to take over the government. He's getting ready to take control of the things that are oppressing our lives. But Jesus has a different you know, glorification than they could ever imagine. But nevertheless, that's probably what they think. And, and I think what Jesus is thinking is this. You haven't seen anything yet. You haven't seen anything yet. And I think to myself, what prompted him to go through that series of concepts or ideas to come to the point of thinking about being glorified? I believe that it's just simply this. In other words, the message is leaking out. The message is leaking out. I've done some great things, but the word's getting out. And I think Jesus is saying this, I'm getting ready to kick the door open like you've never seen before. You think you've seen people restored and healed and delivered and saved? I'm getting ready to do something that's going to absolutely blow your mind. Isn't that so cool to think about that? And then he goes from talking about being glorified to dying. How do you do that? How do you go from being, I'm, you know, the time for me to be glorified has come. My hour has come. And then he starts talking about a grain of wheat falling to the ground and dying. How do you connect glorification with dying? Again, their concept of things being glorified would probably be far different from what Jesus was thinking about. But here's how it is. You guys have seen me preach. And you've seen me heal. I can see Jesus kind of communicating this concept. You've seen me heal the sick. You've seen me raise the dead. You've seen me cast out demons, feed the hungry. You've seen me love the sinner and restore those that have been away from me. You've seen me give hope to the hopeless, but you haven't seen anything yet. I, and, and I think what Jesus is saying is this. I've done, here's going from glorification to dying. I've done everything I can do in my present form. What they had for them in ministry for three and a half years was the seed. What they had in their presence was the seed. And, and the seed came along and opened up blinded eyes and raised the dead and healed the sick and restored those that were lost and broken and did miracles. The seed walked on the water. But I think Jesus is saying, you've seen me do everything I can do in my present form. But if the seed that seems to be something so precious, anybody love some seeds? Anybody love to eat seeds? Anybody love to eat seeds? You know, two of us love to eat some seeds, all right? And, uh, you know, I'll enjoy a good seed every now and then, and, and I think that's pretty good. But you know what? I eat it, and it's done. I eat, and it's done. But you know what? If I take that seed and I put it in the ground, then guess what? I'm going to have something that's incredibly greater than that one single seed. That's what Jesus is saying. Glorification is tied to the seed and tied to dying because if you see a seed go into the ground, there's going to be something that's fruitful and harvestful that comes yeah. out of the ground that you've never imagined before. Unless a grain, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, 
it bears much fruit. He's saying, I'm through just entertaining company. I'm through just shaking hands and kissing babies. And, and I'm through with just kind of making people happy right here and right now. There is a greater harvest ahead. And that greater harvest, hear me now, that greater harvest is going to take a greater sacrifice than you've ever imagined. The greater harvest is going to take a greater sacrifice. You've seen miracles, but you haven't seen anything. To see the greater harvest that I came to the earth for, it's going to require a greater sacrifice than you've ever imagined. And I ask you the same question. What kind of harvest do you need in your life that's going to require you and I to step up with a greater sacrifice than we've ever imagined could be? And that's what God, I believe, is calling us to today. Think about this. Could it be that what God wants to do in and through you is going to require a greater sacrifice, a greater commitment, a greater passion for you to serve God and give everything to Him? I can see Jesus in saying, in order to have the ultimate harvest, I've got to make the ultimate sacrifice. And I've come to realize this. There's no harvest without sacrifice. Yes, yes, yes. There's no harvest without sacrifice. You know what? There's no withdrawals without deposits. You know what? I, I, can, I can go to the bank all day long and I can put my ATM machine. You know, I can go to the ATM. I can put my card in there. But if I haven't put anything into the bank, nothing's coming out the ATMs. They might know what I'm saying, all right? You, you can look for a withdrawal if you want to, but if no deposit has been made, there's no place for you to withdraw anything. And so God wants us to understand with there's no harvest without sacrifice. And so often we try to live our lives apart from this principle. I love Jared Davis music, and, and that may not mean anything to you, but he wrote a song back years ago, and it's meant something to me all of my, yeah, ever since I heard that the first time, but the chorus of it says this, there's not a victory without a fight. There's not a sunrise without a night. There's not a purchase without a cost. And there's not a crown without a cross. There's, there's no way you can get to the other side until you come to that place of sacrifice in your work. It doesn't work without one or the other. Oftentimes we have a need. We have a need that we want to see fulfilled in our life. But what we haven't done is we haven't planted the seed in order for the need to be met. God wants us to be people that see things beyond just their current state and realize that there's something miraculous that takes place when we lay down our life and we commit it to Christ and God can use it for His glory. Jesus said the time of my glory has come, but the only way for me to experience the full glory of God is for me to make the ultimate sacrifice. And the same can be said of you and I as well. Yes. Where there's no sowing, there's no reaping. Where there's no investment, no investment, there's no return. Where there's no seed time, then there's no harvest. Where there's no sacrifice, then there's no reward. God is calling us to a place 
I've surrendered to him completely. Note this for the most part. We live, we live in a crazy world, you know? And, uh, you know, and, and just some of my, you know, simple reflections of this crazy world we live in, I think we live in somewhat of a narcissistic world. You know, a narcissistic world where it seems like everything revolves around me. All right? We've become the center of our own universe. All right? As a matter of fact, before I go any further, I wanted to take a selfie of me real quick. All right? Yeah, no, no, no. Yes. Yeah, come on. That's good. Everybody smile. No, I don't think I'm going to throw that away. All right? But, you know, that that's we, we live in a selfie world. We live in a, you know, we live in a selfie world where we're so focused and we think that everything needs to revolve around us. And, uh, you know, and everything's about me and it revolves around me. And, you know, we, we wonder why marriages and, uh, and parenting and, and even ministry sometimes has difficulties and struggles. So often I think it's because we haven't learned the principle of sowing and reaping. Right? We haven't learned the principle that great reward, with great reward, it requires great sacrifice. Yes, yes. I, I learned 43 years and, uh, and three months and, 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 and seven days ago. No, four days ago. Uh, I learned 43 years, three months, and four days ago. That in order for me to experience the blessing of a fruitful and loving marriage, it was going to require me to lay down my life. And there's been plenty of times where I have, where I haven't laid down my life, all right? And I've paid the price and things didn't go quite well. Anybody, can I get a witness here today? All right. All right. This is a good group. I like this group. This is good. Yeah, there's been plenty of times when I didn't die to myself to serve my wife. Amen. But let me tell you this. When I learned how to die to myself and to love her like Jesus loves the church, Amen. then I want you to know things can be like heaven on earth here, all right? I, I, can, I can have the blessing of God in my marriage. And the same can be true when it comes to my children as well. When I, when I realize that my kids didn't come along just to, just to be my servant, all right? My kids came along because they were the fruitful, godly offspring that God wanted us to have, that we, he wanted us to raise up, to send out in the world to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And I'm thrilled to say that that's what my two boys are doing today, making a difference for the kingdom of God. Somebody sent me a picture from my oldest son's church just a few minutes ago as we started worship, and uh, or actually before we started the service here, and a picture of him up preaching. And I thought to myself, yes, Lord, go for it. And, uh, and that son, I, gave, uh, I shared that audio with you just a few moments ago, training his kids to love God. I want you to know there's no greater reward, but it took a little sacrifice. Can I say, can somebody say amen to that? Have I got any parents that know that it's not just all fun and games, all right? There's some serious business when it comes to parenting, and the same can be true when it comes to ministry. Your pastor knows and understands what it means to lay down his life. Lay down his life for a church and for the people of God. And I and Peggy and I know that as well. We served one congregation, as she told you, 37 and a half years. What a wonderful experience. But I've got to tell you, it wasn't every day filled with joy. 
There were some times, you know, whenever, you know, it, it, it took sacrifice. Yeah. It took serious sacrifice. And for that matter, I think it took 37 and a half years of sacrifice. But God is faithful, amen. Yeah. And God gives reward. And the reward is seeing those people that are healed. Seeing those people that come to faith in Christ. I still remember the first person that I baptized that came to Christ on that first Sunday that said yes to Jesus. And that and, and Linda Guyon today is still one of those those choice people that we care about and we love that that now 38 and a half years ago came to Jesus and we baptized her and and thank God for that and thank God for the hundreds of people that we were able to see and and the thousands of people we were able to impact over those 38 and a half years but it doesn't come by accident it comes because people are willing to lay down their lives not just us, but so many partners with us. Thank God for the body of Christ. Somebody say amen today. Amen. God, help us to be people that look for the harvest, that demand sacrifice. Here's the deal. If Jesus couldn't get past it, if Jesus couldn't get past it, who do we think we are? How do we think we can get past that of sacrifice? I got to tell you, folks. Look here a second. You're not that special, Amen. right? Yes, yes. You 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 can't. Jesus said here in this passage of scripture that those that are going to serve Him and follow Him are going to do exactly that. They're going to be exactly where He's at. Jesus is talking about falling to the falling to the ground, falling to the earth, and dying. And he said, "My servant will be right there with me." But there's nothing greater than to die with Jesus. Because then you experience the life and the resurrection power and the glory of God that comes along with that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus understood from John 14 that whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do greater things because I go to the Father. Jesus realized that while he had been the extension of God's grace and love and mercy on the earth, he realized that if he went to the Father, that the Holy Spirit was coming and was going to not just be with them, but was going to be in them. So that when we walk out of here, like Peggy talked about, we walk out of here with the presence and the power of God in our lives to make a difference just like Jesus did in the earth. That's what Jesus understood when he talked about dying and falling to the earth to experience the glory of God. And he calls us to do the exact same thing as well. He calls us to surrender to him. John 16 and 7 says, It's expedient that I go away, because if I don't go away, the Comforter will not come to you. Anybody thankful for the Comforter, the Helper of the Holy Spirit? This was the seed that was talking here. And there was power in the seed as it fell to the ground and became the ultimate sacrifice. And today, I just came along to say to you, I celebrate Amen. the sacrifice Amen. of your pastor. Amen. I celebrate the sacrifice of your pastor. I celebrate, obviously, the sacrifice of Jesus. Amen. But I celebrate the, the pastor and the woman of God that you have here in your yes. congregation yes. for 15 years to give of their hearts and their lives yes. and their spirits yes. and, and to surrender themselves to God. To make a difference. 15 years of faithful 
and fruitful ministry for the kingdom of God because it's not about us. It is about the kingdom of God. There's something to be celebrated. But what I've come to realize is that if I lived, if I lived to even be 100 years old or 120 years old, I want my entire life to be like Jesus said. I want it to be a seed that produces a much greater harvest than I could have ever imagined. As long, though, as I hold on to my life, it will not produce the kind of fruit that God wants. But God's bringing not only me, not only your pastor, but he's bringing all of us to the place to we're willing, willing to allow our lives to die in his presence. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. I, I know this, I've come to know Jesus. And, and, and thank God I've been crucified with Christ. But the life that I live now, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I'm crucified with I'm crucified with Christ. I said I am crucified with Christ. But I still live by the power of God today. God wants to do that in every single one of us. Can somebody say amen today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I just want to pray for you today. And, uh, and just just encourage you, just encourage you to say yes to all that God has for you. I said I wasn't going to preach long, and I think I preached too long. But anyway, you've been so gracious to say amen every now and then. You haven't fallen asleep, and I don't even think you've gotten angry. You know, and I appreciate that. You haven't thrown in anything at me or whatever. But would you guys stand to your feet with me for just a moment?